so I'm on staff with Chi Alpha here at Central. I graduated from Central three and some three years and some months ago. Um, this is my fourth fall quarter, not being in school. Hang in there. It's great. It's totally worth it to get your degree. You can do it. It is so nice to be graduated. Um, this is my sixth year in Ellensburg. I love Ellensburg so much. It's such a great town. I also love this campus. Um, my favorite place on campus is Holmes Dining Room, if you've been in there. They used to not have the booths, so they used to just have the tall tables. Um, but I've spent many, many hours in Holmes. Um, take a second, turn to your neighbor right now, and tell them where your favorite place on campus is. Ready? Go. Campus is great. Central is great. Um, so I'm going to be sharing with you guys the word of God. Oh, yes. But first, I'd like to share a little bit about myself so you guys know who's talking to you. Um, I have three siblings. I have a photo. This is a then and now photo. We're pretty cute. I love them. They're great. Um, I was homeschooled until my junior year of high school. I have a degree from Central in Film and Video Studies. I'm married. I have another photo. I'm married to Taylor. He's the one that plays the piano up here. Um, we've been married for a little bit over two years. He's the best. I really like him. Um, yeah, I also have two families now because I got married. Um, so that's really cool to have two families. A um, couple other things about myself. I like coffee a lot. I like learning about healthy eating and living healthy and then putting that into practice in my life. I really like the show The Office. I'm a big Mumford and Sons fan, if you guys know who that is. I love them. Um, my favorite movie is My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I laugh every time. It never gets old. Um, and I also really love Jesus. So that's a little bit about me. Um, <laughs> Yay, move for that. Um, so if I could have the Bible pastors come down and you're going to hand out Bibles, um, you'll really need a Bible tonight, okay? So if you forgot your Bible or you don't have a Bible, make sure you get one because um, you're really going to want one. Come on, Ethan. <laughs> cool. Um, while those are getting passed out, um, I'd love to talk a little bit about like last week. So Nate shared with us last week, and that was awesome. He shared about how we are a community filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that message. I love that Gordon Fee quote he read. Um, Gordon Fee is a theologian. He wrote a lot of great commentaries. He also wrote a book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. With the, he co-wrote that, so it's an awesome book. But I love his quote that he said that Nate wrote, that Nate read to us, the Spirit is the way God has come to us in the present age to be with us, to indwell us, both corporately and individually, to fellowship with us, to empower us for the life in the present. But the Spirit, by the Spirit, our lives are invaded by the living God himself. God himself is present in and among us. I love that. My favorite part is empowering us to live in the present. Um, so tonight we're going to see an Acts 
this kind of play out, what it means to live empowered in the present. Um, So if you guys could turn to Acts 6 in your Bibles, and we're going to read Acts 6. All right, we're going to read the whole chapter. Acts 6. All right. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Procreus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmaeus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders of the law, elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I just uh, lift this time up to you, God. I just uh, praise you that it's week eight. We've made it so far. Um, God, I pray that you'd carry us through until the end of the quarter. Give us your strength and your wisdom. God, fill us with your grace like you filled Stephen with your grace, God. Um, yeah, help me to clearly communicate and speak what you have for me to share with these guys tonight. And yeah, I just pray that your spirit would be poured out on us and yeah, we'd be filled, filled with your spirit, God. In your name, amen. All right, so tonight we are going to do something you've probably never tried before. Um, some of you actually might be familiar with this or something like this. So when I was an intern with Chi Alpha, um, I got to do something called RUI, which is stands for Reach the University Institute. Um, it's a week long. It happens in Springfield, Missouri, and it's it's amazing. It's just oh, it's such a great week. Um, and one of the speakers was a he's a campus pastor from Georgetown University, and he taught us this type of prayer that he had learned while he was working there. So they have these classes at Georgetown where you can um, you take these classes and you you have a chaplain who disciples you in prayer. 
And this campus pastor met with a chaplain every month for a year or so, and this chaplain helped him make prayer a daily part of his life. Um, so that this guy, this campus pastor, he taught us one of these prayers that, um, yeah, that he had learned. So we're going to learn this prayer tonight. Um, I love prayer and I love the Bible, and tonight we're going to unite the two. Um, you will need your Bible open to Acts 6. You can pull out that little desk that's under you. You'll want that. And also you'll want um, pen and a paper. Um, if you don't have that, you can uh, do notes on your phone. Um, but you'll want those set up in front of you. You want to get comfortable. You know, you don't want to have to, like, look for things later on. So get your pens, get your paper, get your Bibles. Here we go. Um, so the Christian tradition is rich with many different types of prayers. Our church fathers and mothers came up with wonderful ways for us to connect our hearts and our minds with the scriptures. Um, so one of these ways is called the imagination prayer. So in a few minutes, we're going to close our eyes. Now, if you're uncomfortable with closing your eyes in a group setting, you can just look down, but I'd really encourage you to close your eyes. Um, so we're going to close our eyes, and we're going to walk through the story of Acts 6 together. Um, so I'm going to be asking you guys a series of questions, and I'll have some examples for some of them, but the experience that you have depends on you. So you can participate in this, or you can not. So I'm going to help us like walk through the story and help us imagine what it would look like, um, but this really depends on your imagination. Um, so here's a quote from an artic article I read about this. I have it up here as well. Um, it says, sometimes we equate the use of imagination with pretending, but imagination offers us much more than fantasy. Imagina imaginative play helps children interpret the world around them as they recreate a variety of roles and situations. Imagination also helps us see things differently and envision new possibilities. So in this way, imagination is not just a child's activity. Imagination is what inspires all people to use their creative gifts to surround themselves with beauty, design new technologies that make life easier, and to visualize ways to live peacefully with one another. So the gift of imagination has been given to us by God, and it can draw us closer to him. So while I was reading, um, while I'm reading the chapter, you guys are going to be imagining the situation. Um, and something might come up in your head is like, I don't know what it would look like. I don't know about historical accuracy or whatever. Um, and you really don't need to worry about that. So another quote I read, or I read from an article is um, this, and it says, feel free to paint this picture in any way your imagination takes you. If we worry about historical accuracy, it can be a distraction and take us away from the prayer. This isn't scripture, it's letting God take our imagination and to reveal to us something of the intimate life of Jesus or others. So if you, in your prayer, Mary pulls the toddler Jesus into her lap to tie his shoes or zip his coat, you can let it happen that way. We don't have to fret about historical accurate kinds of food served at dinner or what kind of carpenter tools Joseph might have really had in his workshop. Here is an experience of prayer that lets our imaginations free themselves from anything that limits them. This is God revealing himself to us. So as we're going through this, you can imagine all of this taking place in Ellensburg. Um, I got to go to Amman, Jordan a couple years ago, um, so I tend to imagine these stories in the context of the city of Amman, because it's very similar, um, but whatever works best for you. All right, you guys ready? 
So the, pan, the pen and the paper are for afterwards. Um, so once we're done, you'll be writing down a little bit of what your experience was. Um, so you don't need to worry about that yet. But how do we start? All right. So everyone, get in your seat comfortably. Maybe put your feet underneath you. Sit up a little bit. Take a deep breath. We're going to take a moment. We're going to quiet our minds from our distractions. Let's stop thinking about our to-do lists and the things we need to do this week, and let's just let them go. Um, our first gesture might be that we open our hands on our lap. You don't have to do this if it makes you uncomfortable, but you can open up your hands and put them on your knees. And now let's close our eyes. Let's take a moment and ask God to open our hearts and our imaginations. I'm going to read the story of Acts 6. Answer the questions in your mind as I ask them. Step into the situation. Now we begin to imagine the scene we read about together. Imagine that you are in a town. There are people around you. Who's around you? What conversations are taking place? In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Pause in this moment. What's around you right now? Are there a lot of people? Are you outside or are you inside? What is the mood around you right now? Is everyone tense? Are they joyful? Are they confused, angry? Who else is there with you right now? So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. What do you hear in this scene? Is there a specific person talking? Is it a meeting? Who's listening to them? The 12 continue talking. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. If you're in a house, what are the noises in the, in the house or on the street outside? What are the smells that you can pick up? I can smell baking bread. I can also smell body odor. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procreus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmaeus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Can you see these men? What do they look like? They presented these men to the apostles who prayed, and they laid their hands on them. Watch them pray. Watch them as they lay their hands on these men. 
So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Feel how amazing that is. People are coming to know Jesus. Now I want you to imagine Stephen. What does he look like? Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Now the mood shifts. Opposition arose, however, for the members from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, the Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Sicilia and Asia, who be began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Watch them talk to Stephen. Can you see them arguing with him? What do their faces look like? They secretly persuaded some men to say, we heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. Who are they talking to? What's happening around you right now? What are you feeling right now? Are you worried, stressed, concerned? Do you feel nothing? So they seized Stephen and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. Can you see them taking Stephen? Did they take him from his home, from the temple? They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Is this a courtroom scene? Where is Stephen? How is he standing right now? All who are sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Can you see his face? Watch him. What does he look like? Now take a moment, maybe in your imagination, turn and leave the room you are in. Close the door. Transition out of the scene. Take a deep breath. And you can open your eyes when you're ready. Now I'd like you guys to take your pen and paper and write down something that stood out to you. Um, so what did you notice? Something that stood out to you, what did you notice or see during this prayer? And did God speak to you during this prayer? a moment and write that down.
what you just experienced was the imagination prayer. Um, maybe God spoke to you through the scripture we read. Um, can I share with you what God spoke to me through this? So one of the main things that stood out to me was that was who Stephen was. Um, he was known to be a person full of the spirit and wisdom. Later on it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. And then it says, But they could not stand up against the wisdom the spirit gave him as he spoke. You know, this means that Stephen was close to God. He read the scriptures. He knew God. He obeyed God. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He had boldness. He did signs and wonders. He opened his mouth, and he let the Spirit give him the words to say when he needed them. He was sensitive to the Spirit and what he was saying to him. So how are you and I doing being like Stephen? Are you full of God's grace? Do people think about God's grace when they talk to you? I feel pretty convicted about that. I think I'm personally a nonstop judger of people and things. So what about how he was filled with the Spirit? Have you had a conversation with your facilitator yet about the Holy Spirit? You ask them about it. You know, if they don't know the answer, they probably can help you find it. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, like Stephen? When I imagine Stephen, I imagine him being like very tall and very calm. But what was the job that he was picked for? That's the other thing that just really stood out to me in this chapter. He was chosen with some other people to serve women and children. You know, his job was to serve the lowest members of that society at that time. And he took that job willingly and with humility. When was the last time you did a job or volunteered for something that you didn't think was very glamorous? Um, Taylor's mom, Elizabeth, uh, she told us a story this one time, and she used to work for the Union Gospel Mission in Seattle. So this is an organization in larger cities that works with the homeless population. Um, and the mission in Seattle has rehab programs for men and women to get off drugs. And one time Elizabeth went out went in one of their evening rounds. So they go out and they invite people to participate in these rehab programs. And they also take um, blankets and hot chocolate and clothes to the homeless community at night. And she was telling us about these two guys who were leading the team. Uh, they were formerly homeless themselves. Um, but they had gone through the mission's rehab program and were now working for the Union Gospel Mission. And she said, these guys, they'd like walk up to these people and they're so comfortable with them. They like had no fear. Even one time someone threatened them and they were extremely calm and they never lost, you know, their calm demeanor. They knew everyone's name, literally everyone's name. They would look at cars and they knew whose car was like someone's house. So they'd like walk up to a car on the street and like knock on the door and be like, hey, Larry, are you home? So they like knew everyone's name and they knew where everyone lived and they had so much compassion for these people living on the streets and they remembered them. And the homeless people, like they respected them. You could like see it. They were like Stevens, modern day Stevens. You know, in this chapter, they don't talk about 
you know, if we should serve the poor, they talk about how do we best serve them. You know, when they chose someone to serve, they chose their best people. You know, this makes me think, <laughs> I need to be more aware of the people in my life that are in need. You know, the early church taught taking care of those in need. It was a no-brainer. Of course you would. Why wouldn't you take care of them? You know, God cares for the poor. He sees their needs, and he mobilizes people, his people, to care for those needs. Um, another thing in this chapter that stood out to me was how Stephen relied on the Holy Spirit in the many situations of his life and not on himself. You know, in the most, is this is probably, in chapter, in Acts 6, is probably the most stressful moment in his life. And he still relies on the Holy Spirit to speak for him. How much do you and I rely on the Holy Spirit and not on ourselves in our stressful moments? And something I learned about from about God from this chapter was that he has high expectations for people serving those in need. He sees the needy and the poor as people that should receive excellent care and attention. You know, he sees our needs, the material needs as well as the spiritual needs. I also saw that God is with us in our stressful moments. Um, he's not a God who abandons us. The Holy Spirit is always with us, ready to speak for us when we need him. He is faithful in our moments to speak, you know, faithful in our weakest moments. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to fill us in our everyday lives. He wants to help us serve widows as well as speak in front of high officials. He wants to be our everyday God, ready to be with us in our everyday lives. Don't we have an amazing God? You know, I just, I read this chapter about ten times, and then I wrote this message. That's all I did. I didn't read commentaries or big books with big words. I read the word of God, and I let it soak into my mind and my heart. And you can do that, too. Every day, you can read the word of God and hear him speak to you. So that was my goal for tonight. I want you to know that you can read the Bible on your own and understand it. I want you to not be intimidated by the words that bring you life. I want you to make prayer and Bible reading a daily part of your life. You know, almost everything I shared tonight, I learned from just reading it. The Bible is something you can understand. You know, and maybe this prayer tonight that we did is not really something you're like, ooh, that was weird, I don't like that. That's okay. You don't have to like that. That's just a type of prayer. But the word of God is for every one of us. You know, our personalities might be, all diff might be different, but the word of God is for every personality. He spoke so many things to me through this one chapter you know, and all I did was I read and I reflected and I thought deeply about what these words meant in Acts 6. Um, so my senior year of college, spring quarter, I was exhausted. I was working a job. I was facilitating a core. I was taking classes. had a big senior project. I was dating at the time. <laughs> that takes a lot of time. And I was preparing for the Kyle for internship. I had a lot on my plate. I was mentoring seven women. Um, I was feeling so dry and empty. And on top of that, I was going through like a stressful roommate situation. And so because of that, my good friend Sierra, she was really busy too. She was a music major. Um, we didn't really have like free time to do spontaneous things. And so we would meet each week for a one-on-one -on -one just to hang out and talk. 
Um, and I remember one week she sat down with me and she was just bubbling over with what God was sharing with her that week. She was telling me how she fasted that day and she had a time of prayer and like reading her Bible and she felt so refreshed and excited about the future. And you know, and suddenly my eyes just like filled up with tears and she was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? What did I say? And I looked at her and I said, that sounds so wonderful. I haven't had a God time like that in so long. I feel so tired. That one-on-one inspired me to go home that evening after core at like 10, and I read the Bible and I prayed. You know, that one-on-one marked a shift in the rest of my quarter. You know, I was pouring out, I was giving to those around me, but I was not feeding myself or resting in God's presence. So when I heard my friend's experience, I desperately wanted what she had. Um, Sierra's one of our missionaries we support. She's, she's the best. I love her so much. Um, we have 24-3 coming up next week. This is an amazing opportunity to start making prayer and reading the Bible a daily part of your life. You can go with your facilitator, with a friend. Um, a few years ago, I took a freshman with me. Um, her name was Reagan. Some of you might know her. Um, we did an hour slot of prayer together in our normal one-on-one time, and she was so nervous. Um, she wasn't sure if praying for an hour was even possible, especially with only one other person. Um, but as we were praying, we went through this bullet point list of prayers, and um, we prayed, and then the hour ended. And her mind was blown. When the next person showed up for their slot after us, she was like, no way, it's been an hour? What? Don't let praying for an hour be intimidating. You know, jump in, feet first, try it out. I'd really encourage you to sign up for a slot. I think it'll be at the back table tonight, so if you didn't get a chance, um, make sure you sign up for one. Um, other ways to respond, you have up here, praise, you walk to class, that's super easy. Um, prayer walking is just, you just pray for the things you see. Um, read a chapter of the Bible every morning. You know, I read, you know, maybe read through it like three times and then pick some verses to journal about. And then you can tell your facilitator or someone in your core what you're learning. And those are really easy ways to start putting stuff like this into practice. And then I had two reflection questions for tonight. It should be up here. How are you going to draw closer to God this week and tomorrow? What is your God time going to look like? All right, we get have the worship team come up. Oops, I should have them come up sooner. I'll pray while they come. Dear <laughs> um, so Father, I just uh, thank you so much for all that you have like spoken to us through your word. Uh, you have made our your word uh, as a direct way to share with us who you are and what you want for our lives and what you want for this world. And we're so blessed to have that. Um, we're so thankful to have such a, a direct way to you. Um, thank you for your Holy Spirit, God, that you come and you fill us and you give us the ability to be full of God's grace like Stephen. And we don't have to do this on our own like Stephen. We can just be filled with you and that we are capable of doing so many wonderful things through your Spirit, God. Thank you for um, walking with us and encouraging us, God. I pray for each person here tonight that you would just um, inspire them to make um, praying and talking to you and, and reading your word a daily part of their life. Um, we 
we've talked so much about that this whole quarter, God, and I just ask that you would make that um, something that happens in their life in the next couple weeks, God. God, I pray that their God times tomorrow will be defining moments in their life like that one-on-one was for me, God, that they sit down and they feel your presence and are refreshed and know that you are with them, God. I just pray that you would do that in their lives, God. 